welcome to Pedal Sniffers. This is episode four, Troubleshooting. <laughs> oh, that's right. We usually do our intros. So, uh, hey, I'm Tony. I'm David. And this is episode four, Troubleshooting. That'll work. I was going to leave all that in, but now you've, now you've made it awkward. It don't matter. Maybe I'll just not edit the entire episode. Okay, all right. That'll be fun. Well, then I'm going to talk really fast. So... What we're going to do today is to try and help you work through various troubleshooting issues that you might encounter using your pedal board, your instrument, your amp, all those things that interconnect. And because of the myriad of ways they interconnect, they also interact in ways, both uh, ways we expect and ways we wish we never knew they could. And that being said, there's just some things that happen that are unexplainable. Gremlins, as we like to call them. Oh, the unknown knowns. Yeah, one minute it's working, the other it's not, and you don't know why it's not working. All right, so we're going to try to help you figure out ways to find that, some general strategies and procedures, uh, and then some specific issues that you might encounter, especially with your pedals, because those little boxes uh, love to have fun with us. Yeah, that's what, that's what we're about to, so. Yeah, we got, you knew we had to get pedals in there somewhere. All right, so some general strategies and procedures for troubleshooting. So we're going to talk first, I suppose, with uh, let's stay on target with some audio issues. So that could be noise. Um, that could be... A lack of noise. A lack of noise. <laughs> that could be like intermittent uh, signal, like your signal cutting in and out. Um, weird apart from noise but like maybe it'd be a different category but like intermittent like peaks of random hisses or squeaks or something like that some kind of interference or yeah intermittents are the worst so the first thing we want to do when we're trying to determine what the nature of our problem is uh is minimize the number of variables involved and what that means is working through the things that you know are good. We're going to call these the known good things so that you can find the things that are bad. So you work your way through your chain, testing perhaps individual uh, pieces to be sure that those items are good so you can move on to the next thing in the chain. So let's take a, let's take a common uh, example of a guitar into a pedal board into an amp. We won't go any further than that at the moment. But now you've got three things that have variable variables within each one of them. For sure. So, all right. So you've got your guitar plugged into your pedal board, which is plugged into your amp, and no sound is coming out. So what's I, I know the first thing David would do would be to unplug his guitar and plug straight into his amp. Yes, and that's just... There's so many more things that could go wrong with a pedal board. Well... If we're not talking about like particular opponents in an amplifier, no, like, not yet. But but, but by, as far as by like, bypassing your pedal board, yeah, for sure. Right, we we've we've narrowed. We've, we're down to two things that could or couldn't be working. And if you get your guitar plugged straight into your amp and all is good, you well, know that's good. And like, then we know you're going yeah. to your pedal board. Yeah, and that's recently I found out. Uh, here's a great quick little timbit. So I had been having issues that I had not known were my guitar. Um, just occasional 
all of a sudden I would switch the pickup and I wouldn't have noise. And I thought it was the pedal board. Go back and plug in my guitar straight into the amp. No signal. So I just switched out a cable really quick and that's not it either. So I just end up flicking the switch up and down really quick and then finding out it's just a bad switch. So it's an SG. So you can actually, the switch has two like contact points on either side and sometimes they get like bent or misaligned. So when you switch it, you get no actual signal and no... Uh, no that's uh, the same switch that's on a lot of Les Pauls, right? Yes, it's the same okay, thing. Yeah. So yeah. that I just ended up being able to do a quick fi- fix, opened up the back, made sure everything was good, and played the rest of the gig. So gotcha. that, my, uh, my rhythm guitarist has a Les Paul, and he uses that switch with you know one of the pickups rolled down to do a stutter effect. You told me and, this. And every time I watch him do that, I was going, man, that switch is going to break. And sure enough, you know what he has now? He's got an intermittent pickup switch. So um, I have a replacement for him in my bag for next rehearsal. So now that, now, so what you're saying is that you could plug your guitar straight into your amp, think maybe that you've solved it. You go, you can now plug all your stuff back in again. And because of this intermittent switch, now you're back to the problem again and you're, you've been diverted from what the real cause is without knowing it. Yeah, so that's kind of where gremlins can be. Um, there's worse ones, but that for sure could be considered a gremlin. Like, it just circumstances worked out where the switches started working again. Yes, so. uh, you got to hate that stuff. Yeah. So the switch is a perfect example of uh, what I call physically moving things. So most intermittent things tend to, well, maybe not most, but a lot of intermittent things tend to be because things are coming in contact with something else or they're shorting out internally. So moving things around, this could, this is not limited to like touching your cables and moving each one around, but start touching things in your rig. And if you can make the thing that's intermittent work or not work because you're touching it, then you've definitely gotten closer. Um, yeah. In a particular case, when I used to run George L's on my board, uh, I would constantly be uh, fixing them as they would eventually ground out and be intermittent. So what I did, um, this particularly, this would work with soldered cables as well, but with solderless, uh, it works even better just because they're more likely to go wrong in the case of George L's. Just bend down and start wiggling cables and like unplugging mm-hmm. things. And when, if you hear some crackling, um, you know that's the issue. And um to be even a little bit more uh, specific on how you do that. You just have to make sure like every, all your volumes are on like your guitar and everything. Cause if you don't have like your amp volume on, if you have a volume pedal and that's not on and that's before or sorry, after like the pedal that is wrong and you're still trying to jiggle cables, you're not going to hear it. So just make sure your volumes are on when you're trying to find those bad cables. Don't be, um, don't be fooled by obvious things like the volume on your guitar or the volume on your amp or the standby switch. Or even or, if your amp's on. <laughs> yes, is my amp plugged in? Yes. Um, you got to get through the obvious stuff uh, even before you start Googling because you need the specifics of what issue you have before you can try to find a solution. Yeah. You know, my, my, my guitar makes no noise is really not a helpful google search for sure all right um so we're minimizing the variables that are involved in our problem and uh since this is pedal sniffers we're gonna 
concentrate on the area of problems that tend to occur on your pedal board. Makes sense to me, Tony. All right. I'm happy about that. Um, so we've covered the cables that are between your pedals. Um, this is common, um, especially with cables you assemble yourself, even with those you don't, um, any cable can be bad. Uh, so a helpful tip there, or at least for me is if, if I have any problem with any cable and it's not repairable, it immediately goes in the trash. I don't even bother trying to figure anything else out beyond that point. Yeah. And just a quick segue about cables themselves is like one of the reasons you want to spend more money on cables isn't necessarily the sound as much as it is the durability and the reliability of that cable the the more you pay typically it's it they just last longer and are more durable especially if you're going to be moving or moving them around a lot right right consider the number of times your pedal board goes in and out of its case um the things that happen while it's in use any of those things can start to wear on connections. Though, uh, having your stuff on a pedal board is the easiest way to make them last the longest. I think we talked about this on on our pedal board episode where if you don't have them on a board, you're going to have a lot more cable problems. Yeah, for sure. All right, so we've got our pedal board. We've we've narrowed our gremlins down to our pedal board somewhere. Um, Some of the things that you could look for uh batteries are an obvious one and i will add that yeah any dead battery is a giveaway but i've had pedals where if the battery inside is dead the pedal won't work even when powered externally uh explain more because you've told me this before and i can't remember why that works that way all right um i can't remember which pedal it was um but as uh some of our listeners will know uh, David and I uh, work at Pedal Genie and we deal with hundreds of pedals uh, a day coming back and forth and we see all kinds of issues. So this one, when it first happened, um, actually I'll go ahead and admit when it first happened, it was very early and we in fact sent the pedal back for repair. Um, And then when it came back from the vendor, it said, you're an idiot. The battery inside was dead. And I'm like, okay, A, I didn't know it even had a battery inside. And B, you're the idiot who designed the power system where plugging external power in made it not work even when the battery was dead. So take that. Uh. So so the battery, the the pedal takes a nine volt battery. Uh, Like I said, I didn't know that it even took one because the battery door was, let's say, you know, didn't have a battery door. You had to unscrew the whole thing to even know it had one inside. The battery inside was dead. And when you powered it with a pedal power supply, which is how we test our pedals uh, at Pedal Genie, when they come back, we plug in the power supply and we expect them to work. And when this one didn't work with any power supply, we're like, huh, I guess it's broken. Um, So... Why I would ex- why this doesn't happen with most pedals is because there's a different arrangement of the incoming uh, power to the pedal where it doesn't it doesn't have to go let's say through the nine volt to power the pedal and that may be how this pedal was designed like the the power goes is connected maybe in series with the battery I'm talking e stuff out my ass I don't really know but not all pedals work this way but this one certainly did dead battery inside meant it didn't work at all. That is a bummer. 
<laughs> yeah, like I said, a little embarrassing when, when we found out about that afterwards. So batteries, uh, pedals you think may not even have batteries may in fact have some. So if it doesn't power on, that is one thing that you can check. Typically, even if you're using a power supply and you know you're never going to use a battery and that pedal has a battery in it, it you probably should just take it, it out. It should definitely come out. Like, it's not even for the fact of it being in there and things could go wrong. It's more... Well, it is, but like eventually the battery will start leaking and you can yeah. destroy it. It will, it will eventually be dead and it will eventually start leaking. Yeah. So <laughs> so it should go. <laughs> That's a great way to avoid your warranty. Yes. All right. So no batteries. Um, now, a more complicated issue is when pedals in a particular order aren't playing well together. And we're going to talk about uh, an issue David had with buffers, but even outside buffers, um, some pedals I'm going to name fuzzes specifically may really not like being behind or in front of another overdrive or another fuzz. Um, especially if they're the kind that work really well with say, uh, rolling off your guitar volume brings the fuzz down, that kind of thing. It's mm-hmm. relying on impedance from direct from the guitar. Yep. So, uh, if you've got a problem, say specifically with a fuzz, uh, try re- rearranging the order of your pedals, uh, moving the fuzz closer to your guitar, yeah. and, and see if that just helps. Plug it, plug just the fuzz in as well. So it's the same same idea as plugging straight into the amp, but you're per, you're you're picking out that pedal um, in particular, making sure it's okay. Ah, yes. Um, a it's not as simple, or it's not as easy when you've got all your pedals mounted on your board but pulling a single pedal out of your pedal board or out of your chain at least uh to test separately is definitely a way to go yes another way to minimize the number of variables yeah it's a great way to weed out the suspect the suspect uh, pedals in your board for sure um so tell us about that buffered issue you had i actually remember two i've had I'll go okay. with I'll go with the older one first. So the older one, uh, I had recently just per- I pre-ordered this Strymon Dig when it came out. So when I got it, I threw it on my board, um, and ended up having some issues with noise um, between the Archer and the Dig on a particular setting with the Dig when the Archer was on. I can't remember what the order was at all. Um, between my drive section and the dig, but I think it may be the middle, the ADM setting on the dig. Um, I would get this unbelievable weird noise between. So only on one particular setting? It was like one setting too. Okay, all right, interesting. Um, so the way I, I figured that out, I was, I was turning on pedals on and off and like figuring out combinations that kind of figured that it was the Archer giving me the issues and a mini clon actually it's a pretty common thing to have issues with some of the buffers in a lot of the clons or the clon clones um playing with other pedals with buffers in them and i want the buffer on the dig to be on because when i turn it off it allows me to have trails so gotcha. what i ended up doing was i didn't even change the uh, orientation between the dig and the archer because i can't have a drive after my delay um so I just I think I moved I moved the order of the archer in relation to my other drives and that fixed it. 
But again, only on one particular delay setting? It was only on one delay setting. It's a very oh. bizarre issue I had. Maybe it has something to do with the with the trails, and on that particular setting, it's using them as part of yeah, the sound I have, somehow. I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't Google anything about it because the pedal was so new. How would anyone even know? Um, it was it was like the release day that I got it. So gotcha. Yeah. All so right. that's just a weird thing, and a lot of the, re- I guess that is a probably more advanced troubleshooting. But at, at the same time, it's like when you have something like that, just clicking in between pedals and trying to figure out what what's making it do that is a good a good uh, start. Gotcha. Yeah, you've got an issue there where you've got two pedals who you don't think are interfering with each other are somehow doing so, and you need to you need to know that so you can move them around. Yeah. All right. So, what was the deal then with the the buffer and the volume loop that you had? So, I have an ES8, as we have talked about in previous podcasts, and I have had been having some issues when going in between po- presets and banks. Um, I would get a loud pop when engaging the next. Uh, preset or loop um it was intermittent so it wasn't every loop so going i ended up not being able to figure it out messing around with like various settings um but i did know and in hindsight once i kind of figured out everything that everything after the volume um when i was just turning on the individual loops on and off were popping and everything before was fine um wait so on the esa there is a volume loop between Two sets of loops, right? Correct. So there, the ES8 has a dedicated volume loop, volume loop that you can place anywhere within the eight loops. Gotcha. Okay, so you had pedals before the volume loop and, and after the yeah, volume I loop. Yeah, I had... Uh, it's, it's right in the middle. It's between loops four and five. Okay. So I ended up going on Google and finding... I'm just typing, typing in... Uh, Bossy is a popping, popping issues. Um, <laughs> okay. And then just kind of browsing everyone's issues. I'm also in a Facebook forum and I just searched the issue and it's a pretty common issue, um, but nothing had fixed it. There were issues. There was a, a fix where you would change the loop time or the loop change time or the preset change time to be mm-hmm. a little bit longer and that would stop it. Um, that didn't help in my case. And I want my changes to be immediate because I don't want a stop. That was, that was the patch changing or the, the loop switching? The, the patch change time. Okay, and it's like milliseconds, right? It's, yes, it's something okay. like that. And I, I don't want my sound to cut off at all when I'm changing a preset. Does not gotcha. make sense to me? No, I agree. So anyway... Uh, I can't even remember where I found it, but someone had mentioned buffered volume pedals being an issue in this case. So I go and mess around with some things and just end up taking the volume pedal completely out of the equation and then having no more issues. Okay. Um, and the pedal you were using was an active buffered it's an volume act- pedal? So I'm using a, a active bloomery. Okay. Um, and then one thing I realized is when I individually turn on, you can't individually turn on the uh, the loop, the volume loop, I believe, unless I think you might be able to assign it to a switch, but you have to manually turn it on and off within the preset. But when I would do so, I would get that popping noise. Uh, so that was kind of a indicator to start that I realized, oh, maybe that's an issue. So once I turned it off and started turning on all the loops on and off behind the uh, volume pedal as versus it on, 
they no longer popped. And then when I turned it back on, it had the same issue. It's, it has to do with the buffer in the volume pedal and the input and output buffer inside of the S8. And also probably the buffers in the uh, two striming pedals I have after it. Okay. So too many buffers is bad. Too many buffers is bad in this case. But uh, another thing I've noticed that I think it has... I know I'm talking out of my butt when I'm saying this, but I'm, it has to do with some sort of... Not voltage charge, but some build up like static electricity or something with the switches. Like if after I press them, capacitance is what you're looking for. Yeah, capacitance. Like once I start like pressing them a lot, it will eventually go away. But then it'll build up. But then it will build up again after not pressing it for a while. Okay, that's definitely capacitance. I don't, I again, uh, eeing out my ass, but that's definitely capacitance. But yes, so that's the issue. So what I'm going to end up doing is I'm going to. I have another board I'm planning, which I'm sure we'll talk about at some point. That's a while away. Collecting currently collecting pedals for that, but I'm gonna move over my active bloomery to that board and buy a passive one for my main board. Alright. Okay. Alright, so buffers are bad, okay? Or at least many buffers are bad, okay. They're not bad as much as they are <laughs> annoying. All right. Well, at least in the two examples we've talked about so far, it's the interaction of multiple buffers or buffers and other pedals that have actually caused some problems. Yes. All right. Um, two things I want to talk about have to do with power. Um, one of them is uh, if you're using a daisy chain power supply, you're essentially asking for trouble. Um, and if you've got some noise between your pedals, it's very likely the daisy chain that may be causing that noise. Um, particularly if you start mixing, uh, say analog gain pedals and, uh, any DSP pedals, you're asking for trouble. All right. Now, while I'm talking about powerful DSP pedals, uh, something we see very often is pedals not working sometimes or not working all the time or working a little bit, which, well, how does that happen? Um, pedals with uh lots of dsp and by that i mean uh modulation pedals like timelines and big skies and um uh, you know anything GFI, that you know is, is, yes yes h9s um uh anything that you know is a number cruncher in terms of uh, digital processing um generally has, run. <laughs> yes and the new uh pyramids as well which by uh, the way can run on 300 milliamps despite what air quaker tells you Okay. All right. Getting exactly, getting exactly to my point. So those pedals tend to be very current hungry. That's the milliamp rating, usually somewhere upwards of 300 plus. Um, now some pedals behave in a way where they'll turn on, uh, but then they don't really work. And nearly all the time, that's because they're not getting enough current. You've powered them with nine volts. You've powered them with say 250 volts from your voodoo power to plus you mean milliamps milliamps uh let's look at that screw up already don't power your pedals on 250 volts yes 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 you know more power gigawatts and and all that okay so back to the future you, style you've got your uh 250 milliamps going into your pedal and it turns on but that's it or in many cases, they will. Uh, I've seen them blink in certain ways, or maybe some functions won't even work. Oh, I have uh, a great example. Um, okay. I can't remember what pedal, but it ran on 18 volts, but would turn on and work in 9 volts, 
but would not turn on a, a certain set of LEDs without the 18 volts. Weird. All right, well, that's see, now that's a pedal design I can get behind because there's actually some indication that it's sort of working, but not. You've just powered it wrong. So that's even, that's great. The, um, the current lacking issue, though, may be uh, more, maybe less obvious when you're looking at it. Yeah. Um, but totally something to look at. If you've got a, if you've got a digital pedal, it's not behaving correctly. Make sure you're giving it enough milliamps. For sure. Um, something else I wanted to add about when we were um, uh, troubleshooting things on our pedal board is it's very helpful to, let's say, for example, that you have graduated from your one-spot daisy chain and now you've got a proper pedal power supply on your board. Congratulations. <laughs> Yay. Keep that one spot around because when you want to pull that one pedal off your board to test it by itself, it works great. It's perfect to have instead of trying to dig some outlet out from underneath your board and it's messing up your beautiful wiring that you spent so long doing. Yeah, it's functionally exactly the same as one isolated out with exactly. way more uh, milliamps available. So yeah. it's just it's it's the perfect solution for uh, pulling out something. I have a I have one of the. Uh, Strymon power supplies lying around just to test pedals with. Yeah, it's something also, you know, keep one in your gig bag or your your pedal board bag for exactly that purpose. So one of the biggest issues with uh, powering your rigs uh, at home or anywhere uh, is grounding. And one of the most common issues you can have is what we'll call a ground hum. So I thought we might explain briefly what a ground hum is or a ground loop hum. Um, and once you kind of know what it is, wh why it might occur, it's easier to track down. So uh, if you know anything about electrical circuit design, there is a ground or for uh, our UK friends, an earth. I love that term. An earth. An earth. <laughs> <laughs> Um, for optimal circuit, you circuitrying, let's <laughs> make up verbs. You will only want a single ground. Um, as you connect things together, particularly, let's say your pedal board with one power cord, your amp with another power cord, uh, you may introduce a ground loop or, uh, where there are more than one grounds in the circuit. And because there's more than one way for the power to go, again, eating out my ass, but you get the, the, the concept. We're not electrical engineers. We're just <laughs> when, pedal nerds. Yes. When, there, when there's more than one ground available to the circuit, uh, that path between them is a ground loop and almost always causes hum. So on many devices, you're going to see a switch which is called a ground lift. And this can be very handy. Um, you'll see them usually on amps or a lot of on the uh, direct out of an amp. There are also, um, I use radial SGIs a lot to go for long cable runs back to amps. And okay. they have the same exact thing on them. Gotcha. Yeah. You, you Especially introducing uh, long cables where something plugged in at one end of that long cable is on a completely different power circuit than what's plugged in at the other end. Yeah. That's a, that's a recipe for a ground loop right there. So uh, knowing about ground loops and hums and where they might occur is of great benefit in troubleshooting. So pay attention to that. Now, the good news, though, is um, a trained ear immediately knows exactly what a ground hum sounds like. 
Hmm. Was yep. that about 60 cycles? Was that Something good? like that. Yeah. Hmm. It's got it. You it's know, a, 60 it's, cycles. It's, it's got a certain pitch. It's, it's right there. It's familiar. It's typically <laughs> way louder than anything else. So, Although, oh, actually for our, our, our other powered friends around the world, it's a 50 cycle. Yeah, it's 50 cycle. And <laughs> quick random tidbit on this. So the Origin Revival Drive that came out pretty recently, they have a switch on the back that allows you to change the response between 60 and 50 cycle power. Isn't that crazy? Oh, that's, well, that's right. We were talking about the setting on that pedal for ghosting because I had no idea what the ghosting was. But because it relates to power, the sound of that ghosting depends on whether it's 50 or 60 hertz. Yeah, and it sounds very different. That's interesting. Because it's a different frequency. I know. It's so uh, exciting okay. and nerdy. All right, yeah. So ground hum, you know when you hear it. Um, now grounding or bad power is an issue in general. It's the one I hate most. Yeah, the more places you play, the more you begin to hate such. And there's there's only so much you can do in all reality. Now, your power protectors, surgers, I'm going to lump them all together in one in one term right now, but there are significant differences. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to mitigate noise. Noise. Um, I have a Furman power conditioner on the back of my uh, amp cabinet that I plug my head and my pedal board into um, so that I'm only using one circuit for both and that both are uh, protected at least to some extent. Yeah, and I, I have the same thing at home, but luckily most places I play, one in particular has amazing power. The other has terrible power, but does have a surge protector that I use there, which is nice. All right. Um, well, let, let me add that because it's just while we were talking about ground loops and I see people do this a lot. Do your best to plug all your own gear into the same circuit when you're on stage. Um, for example, uh, yeah, I know that like at one of the rehearsal studios I'm at, the bass rig is on the back wall, but my pedal board is up front. Um, while I could totally plug them in opposite places of the rehearsal studio i choose to run an extension cord from the amp to my pedal board specifically for that reason yeah absolutely um in many cases that's hard for people like me who may use iso boxes a lot because you have an amp in a completely separate room but again that typically like we said is paired with sgis so you have that grounding uh, option so it's solved pretty easily and i've not actually had an issue with that um on the topic of like separate power um you may often in the same house or same area have really bad issues with noise in one side of your house or room or wherever you are and you move all your gear to somewhere else no noise so that's another troubleshooting thing is like try if you're having serious grounding issues or noise try another circuit yeah go try and plug into another place because you may be you may be in an, you may be unknowingly connected to your ceiling fan or your, your washing machine air conditioner your washing machine or something like these yeah, exactly. are actual issues I know I've had a ton and yeah likely the older the house you have the more likely you're connected to more things than you think oh I have another example I remember <laughs> so uh, I had an AC fifteen as we mentioned in our last podcast and when I had initially got it um, I eventually had. I had brought it home from church and then I plugged it in and it sounded like it was broken. Like it just, it it sounded terrible. Like it it was awful, like brittle, didn't respond the same way. 
And like I've moved it around everywhere in my house, like doing that troubleshooting issue with no issue. And really it, my house had terrible power. And then I ended up bringing it to, uh, back to the same place I played and it was fine. Um, I don't know what happened, but eventually the power in my house got together and it was okay again. But hmm. there's this, hmm, that like, sounds fishy. So you're saying the the power in your house actually made the amp sound bad? Yes. Um, amps amps are especially tube amps are very sensitive to voltage, and there are devices you can buy that will basically lock or allow you to vary or at least. Be able to control that a little more. They're typically a little bit more expensive. But uh, I believe that's going to be a, a what we'd call a regulator. Um, I can't. Which yeah. which is going to take which is going to take dirty power, which uh, varies. Uh, it's either in cycle or in voltage. It's it varies voltage. around a point. Yeah. So you know we have what one ten one twenty, but may, what may actually come out as one twelve or one oh eight or something in between. Yeah. The voltage uh, regulator kind of devices take garbage in and output a clean constant voltage out yeah and uh with tube amps in particular some like to see things more than others and actually also for those guys who want more tweakability it allows you to change the sound response of your amp a little bit more and also allows you for consistency between place to place all right, now you, I, you have a great example of something that I think almost never ever breaks. And you know, I I keep I have a drawer full of what we call IEC power cords. These are the same power cords that are on millions of devices. They're on your computer. They're on your powered speakers. They're most likely coming out of your amplifier. Yeah, and you never think that they can break, but they can in unexpected ways. I did get mine from Office Depot. That being said, the one that broke was from Office Depot. I'm not <laughs> sure if that matters, but I'm just saying. Well, tell us how you determined that it was, in fact, a broken IEC cable. Okay, so I have mentioned um, one of the places I play has some of the best power I ever had. I can play my... <laughs> I love this venue. It has great power. <laughs> no, it's and it's also my favorite venue because I get to play with my, my favorite people. We get to play the coolest sets, all things like that. Right. Um, anyway, it just so happens to also have the best power that I've ever played through. And I can play my single, single coil telly with like a ton of drives on. And it's practically like silent, which is amazing. That being said, one, this was months and months ago. I, I get there and plug in and like with my noise floor was basically what it is with like all my drives on at like my lowest, like level like my clean tone and i'm like how does this make any sense what's wrong and that's when i realized it and i i hadn't i i couldn't really troubleshoot it then and then when ended up playing someplace friday morning at that was a wednesday and I played the next that friday morning and it had no issues so i just assumed it was something happening weird with some power thing at that venue anyway I take my stuff home same issue um, able to isolate it and know for certain that it's something with my rig, which was a bummer. So I end up plugging everything in and figure out something to do with my pedal board. And I would, I was like plugging in and out cables, like touching, touching my pedal board grounded 
the circ- grounded the loop or it's the circuit. Like that was bizarre. That had never happened before. Ah, if you're touching any metal on anything, that's also a re- that's also an indicator that yes. you've got a ground problem. Like it was very clear. Like this never happened. Well, sometimes you will have like grounding issues. Like your your guitar will ground on the strings very often, and that's normal. But this noise was so loud, like it was louder than my clean sound. <laughs> so it was that's a little it, too loud. I think it was it was way too bad. So somehow. I, I had I know for certain I tested the IEC cable before I switched it out, but for some reason I don't know what happened. And I like I think I may have messed up in the troubleshooting, and I just kind of threw it to the side and like didn't and like took it out of the equation for a second. So maybe like hours later, because this took forever, which was a big bummer. I uh, just go up to the wall and start jiggling around the IEC cable. And then notice it stops the uh, crazy six-year cycle hum I'm getting. And I'm like, oh, that's a bummer. And I could get like sticking into place where it would completely stop. So that was a, that was right, a, so, that was a relief. So bum IEC cable and again, a ground issue because if it was two of the regular prongs, your amp wouldn't have worked at all. Yeah. So and- it must have been a broken ground wrong on the cable yeah and i i knew for certain it was in my power supply it was in my cables i i I have evidence audio they don't break as far as cables go and i use a voodoo lapse mondo and then i can't remember what board i had i think i had my old board yeah it was my old board so it's just the mondo and i that thing is great like everything was isolated like there's no reason as far as my power what was powering my pedals, I should have had that issue. So this all being said, don't rule out your IC cable because <laughs> that it wrecked my rig. Make sure your IC cable is good. <laughs> um, you mentioned the um, noise floor of your rig would vary and that you said even your single coils were quiet which leads us great into the next topic, which is the expectations of the noise level you're going to have on your rig mm-hmm. and, and how high gain pedals always mean more noise. And you got to understand what's too much and what isn't. Absolutely. Um, so as far as gain goes, um, the rule is always the more gain you add, the more noise you're going to have. It's just how it works. It's, I, I guess it's physics. Is that what you would call it? <laughs> well, as you add more amplifiers, as you keep gaining, you keep raising the, the noise uh, floor. The noise floor. Um, so, in a little bit, we'll go a little bit more in depth in this. So, a lot of people complain about compressors being noisy. Now, in all reality, all they're doing is raising. They're just going to compress the noise floor you already have. So, a great tip for you guys who are having issues with your compressor or think you're having issues with your compressor being noisy. And by the way, if it is a compressor sustainer in its very nature will be noisy because it is adding gain. Um, Instead of turning it on and like with your guitar volume on, because your guitar pickups are going to pick up noise too. So turn your, turn your guitar all the way down and then turn the compressor on and off and see how much noise you're getting. Because I think that's a better representation of how much noise your pedals actually have. And that goes the exact same way with your dry pedals. 
Gotcha. All right. So to to restate on the compressor, because that's a very important point, uh, compressor sustainers or compressors that are um, lifting the signal when it's low are, like you said, adding gain, which means they're adding noise. And if there is no signal at that time and it's trying to raise the level, it's going to actually lift the noise floor. So be aware of that. Alrighty. So you, you can you can change or affect when your compressor comes in, if your compressor has an attack, and that will help with uh, your compressor grabbing the noise floor. So if you roll back your attack um, to where it's going to come back later or attack later and also use your ratio and uh, duality with that, you're going to be able to kind of meet a happy medium between it working well with your rig and not getting too much noise. And not lifting your noise. Excellent. Um, noise gates, um, incredibly useful. The more high gain you get, the more you're going to want to gate that noise. Yep. Um, I wanted to add, well, although it's not specifically troubleshooting, um, many people will use their noise gate incorrectly. If your noise gate has uh, a loop, um, meaning it's got four jacks instead of two and in and out and a send and a return, don't just use the in and out when possible put your noisy pedals in the loop of the noise gate and you'll see much better results mm -hmm. um, some people even go as far as to use the effects loop of their amp into the um, loop of the noise pedal uh, as opposed to just the pedals on the board so that way you're gating the uh, preamp from your amplifier as well yeah which i'm not a fan of but so, and I know it's hard to visualize wiring diagrams when we're just talking about random concepts, but if your noise gate has four jacks, uh, look up the method that uses all of them instead of just going in and out. Yeah, and also just to be said, like a lot of your modern, uh, more progressive metal sounds are literally part of that sound is a really heavy gate. Ah, yes, chunk, 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 chunk. Some may refer to it as gent. Or duh, ah. gent. Oh, you know, so that would that mean gent equals chunk? I don't know, Tony. I'm not into <laughs> that kind of music. I'm, I'm just, but does I'm, it doom? I'm just into the memes about that music. All right, awesome. Now, uh, I would say like IEC cables, something that we don't expect to break but sometimes does are the actual foot switches on our pedals. Which is... I always say that's a more common issue than it is not because it is like the primary wear item on your on all pedals because you're turning them on and off. Some people like to really go for it and slam on it like they're trying to kill someone. So, <laughs> um, oh, that reminds me of a great kind of test or troubleshooting thing that you can do um, with your pedals. It also basically tells you if you didn't know already whether your pedal is true bypass or buffered and that is to uh have your pedal plugged in but not powered and turn it on and off uh if signal comes through when it's off ta-da true bypass boom if no signal comes in when it's off without it being powered then it's because it has a buffer and the buffer needs power to let signal through yep 
And you don't even have to know what one's on or off. You just have to basically click it twice. And if it doesn't work on one, it's not true bypass. Ah, uh, which is also when, oh, this is, this is my favorite thing for, you know, you know how we love pedals that have, um, unique or even non-existent labels as to what knobs or jacks or switches do. Mm-hmm. So some pedals, it's actually very easy to plug the out into the in and the in into the out and not know it. And with a true bypass pedal, it will pass signal when it's off. If you have the jacks backwards. Yep. And you could probably spend a while troubleshooting your rig before you realize that you have the in and outs backwards. I've done this several times, uh, especially as someone who's a fan of pedalboard Tetris. You can just get confused <laughs> at the orientation. Oh, of it's upside down. It's sideways. Orientation of uh, the jacks. Excellent so point. It's, it's normally the right is in, the left is out. Yeah. Yeah. Unless yeah. you're like dealing with vintage fuzz faces, but... Who uses those? Oh, you know, Eric that, Johnson does. Uh, you reminded me of something I wanted to mention about fuzzes, which is uh, if you start getting um, Cuban radio stations through your rig, that's awesome. It's most likely your fuzz pedal. If you have one, and if you don't have a fuzz pedal one that's happening, then I don't, what's wrong with you? I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> well, if you don't have a fuzz pedal and it's happening, there's two issues. One, you don't have a fuzz pedal. <laughs> and two, whatever else you have that's making that happen is definitely broken. Yeah, I technically don't have a fuzz pedal on my board, but I do. And I, well, now I technically own four fuzzes. Just three of them are in one box. <laughs> but not on your board. Not okay. on my board. That's why I'm building a new one, so I can put them all on one. Um, so fuzzes are notorious for that. Um, I think it's a particular fuzz circuit, of which I can't be sure which, um, but I know one that I've played through that does it a lot is the ZVEX Fuzz Factory, um, which which will get me Mexican radio, say, on one turn of the knob and will be completely unusable and ridiculous on another turn of the knob. That's part of the enjoyment and entertainment of that pedal. That's what you buy into. <laughs> That's part of the sound, Tony. The Cuban radio tone. I gotcha. All right. I do like that fuzz. But it is a, uh, it is a beast to tame or, uh, um, you know... Um, it can just cause problems for people who don't know what to yeah. expect. I wonder if the Adventure Audio Dream Reaper has the same issue as it's based on it, I think. Oh, okay. All right. So once we once we actually remember what circuit that is, then we'll kind of know. But beware of radio stations through your fuzzes. But it can also happen through uh, single coil pickups too. Yep. Um, though you'll probably only notice it if you've got, you're going into some kind of a crazy high gain. I used to have those issues way, way back in the day when I first was playing guitar. I've not had them in a long time, though. Excellent. Um, yeah, that's about it. <laughs> uh, just quickly mentioned back to foot switches. Um, those are a little bit trickier because if you've never had the issue before, it can. it's very identical to a cable issue. It sounds like noise going out, like something being intermittent, like something's half the volume it normally would be. And kind of the way you can test that once you have ruled out the cables is just turn on your pedal, turn on pedals on and off and see if once you turn them on, if they are not, if they have lost signal. Um, in particular with the pedal I had the issue with, uh, the Greer Amps Lightspeed, um, it's nothing to do with the pedal itself, but the switches will go bad. It's just the nature of them. 
So it was kind of like half on is what you're saying? So it was like half on and sometimes it would click it on and I would have no signal. And then sometimes I would click it again and there would be signal. And what I would do when I had the issue, I'd like lightly tap the switch and it would come back in. Gotcha. All right. So definitely some physically worn stuff. And then you end up with, say, a half working or half contacting switch. Yeah. So it's, I think, I don't know how other to explain it then. It's very similar to a broken cable. Right. Right. I got you. So um, the same thing that the, that a worn cable or plug would kind of result in is the same that a worn switch where it's not fully making contact. Yeah. And Uh, yeah, go ahead. Uh, I was going to add, specifically talking about plugs and jacks, is not all quarter-inch plugs and jacks are shaped exactly the same way. And you may actually end up with some pedals, uh, I'm looking at you, Electroharmonics, who don't always play well with uh, patch cables. Mm -hmm. Um, You may find that one cable fits in and gives you a great signal, but another cable just doesn't make contact, usually to the tip. It just doesn't wedge into that little curve into the uh, uh, the plug as well. So something else to watch out for. So if you've got um, not an intermittent signal, but let's say a lower level signal or something that sounds muted or attenuated in some way, then you're looking at uh, physically worn or physically not fully connecting parts. Absolutely. So once you have ruled out your, as soon as you have ruled out your patch cables, go and check the foot switches on your pedals. Awesome. Um, I hope this was helpful to you when you come across the myriad of issues that uh, will pop up while you're building uh, your pedal board, heck, even using the pedal board that you've had built for several years. Mm -hmm. And uh, follow the principles that we we didn't explicitly state, but that we uh, implied throughout. Minimize your variables. Yeah, this is more of a, as you grow older in your gear building and collecting and using, you just grow in wisdom as you learn how to troubleshoot some things. Because there's some things that you honestly won't be able to find out, find online or Google. Like there's some very particular, like you can single out an issue that no one else has had, but you had, but now you know how to fix it because you troubleshooted it. So in the process, if you've, um, explained that problem to somebody uh i guess it's like any other issue you got i I run into this a lot when programming if i try to explain the problem to somebody usually by talking through it i realized what the problem was Mm -hmm. um so the same can be true you know call up your friend and say look i got this problem here's all the things that i've tried what did i miss or even talking through it you'll be like oh i didn't check the xyz cable Mm mm-hmm so work through that. So you're minimizing variables. You are determining which things you know are good because you've tried that funky guitar with another amplifier or another amp with a guitar you know is working or anything vice versa. Uh, determine your known good things and rule out everything in between. Cool. It's really quite simple, right? Absolutely. <laughs> uh, well... This has been episode four of Pedal Sniffers. And shit, I fucked up the ending. You're Tony. (laughs) I'm David. (laughs) And we're the Pedal Sniffers. Sniffers.